This is the Northwestern Medicine Pod Talk. Here's Melanie Cole. Welcome. Our topic today is heart failure, and my guest is Dr. Esther Vorovich. She's a transplant cardiologist with Northwestern Medicine. Dr. Vorovich, people confuse some terms in cardiology. Tell us what is heart failure and how is it different from heart attack and cardiac arrest? Absolutely. That's a great question. So heart failure, uh, in the simplest terms, is uh, an issue with uh, some degree of heart pump dysfunction, whether it's that the heart is weak and doesn't pump enough blood forward, or it is stiff and blood backs up. Heart attack um, is is in reference to when there's a blockage in an artery that supplies uh, blood to the heart tissue itself. And then cardiac arrest is uh, can be seen in both of those conditions, but cardiac arrest is when something causes the heart to stop beating completely. And so sometimes what helps me think about it is, or explain it to patients, is the analogy of a house. There's the foundation or the structural part of the house, uh, which is typically what the heart failure docs treat. Uh, there's the electrical system in the house, and there's a plumbing system in the house. And so there's uh, different cardiologists to treat all of those different uh, systems. And so uh, heart failure in its simplest terms can just be thought of when the heart doesn't uh, pump enough blood forward or there's a backup of blood um, that causes uh, symptoms that we consider a classic for heart failure, such as shortness of breath when you walk around, uh, swelling in the legs, uh, bloating in the abdomen, uh, or just significant fatigue, as, to name a few. Who is at risk, and do we know what causes heart failure? So heart failure is a very broad term that encompasses a host of different diseases, and it's it, it, as a term, it actually is uh, a reference of a constellation of symptoms, which were the ones I just uh, mentioned previously. In terms of what causes it, there could, there's a whole slew of factors. There are no, things that we know are known risk factors, and some of those are the classic risk factors for a variety of forms of cardiac disease, such as high blood pressure, uh, diabetes. Having had a previous heart attack or blockage in, a, uh, in the arteries that supply blood to the heart are uh, absolute risk factors. Uh, more and more, however, we're learning that there's a significant genetic component, uh, particularly to the group of patients with heart failure who don't have any blockages in the heart, a term sometimes that we refer to as non-ischemic cardiomyopathies. More and more of those we're learning are actually due to a genetic cause. So then how is it diagnosed? You mentioned the symptoms that would send up red flags, shortness of breath, swelling in the legs, abdominal bloating. What do you do to diagnose it and then speak about some of the treatments that might be available? Absolutely. So technically, heart failure is a clinical diagnosis, meaning if you come to me and you say, Doc, I'm short of breath, I have swelling in the legs, um, you know, one of the classic symptoms, for example, is shortness of breath laying flat, then you technically have a diagnosis of heart failure. The question then becomes, what flavor of heart failure do you have? And then depending on the answer to that question is, why do we think you develop this? So once we have the constellation of symptoms of heart failure, typically the first test that we do uh, is an echocardiogram, which is an ultrasound of the heart. It's the same ultrasound that uh, pregnant women get of the babies, just in a different location, and we take a look at the heart itself. And what we're trying to figure out is what 
you know, what kind of, what type of heart failure do you have? Do you have the heart failure where the pump function of the heart, uh, called the systolic function, is decreased? So the the heart is just not squeezing as much as it should, and that's the majority of what I see. Um, or is the heart just stiff? And that, you know, it's kind of, the walls are much more rigid than in a healthy heart. And so when blood tries to come in to fill the heart, it can't quite fill enough. And so it obviously can't eject enough because it's not filling. And then there's backup of blood. We also use it to rule out things uh, that are unrelated to the squeeze or the stiffness, such as valvular heart disease. So leaky valves or narrowed valves that could all cause the syndrome of heart failure. That's typically our first test to kind of delineate. Obviously, we usually don't do one test at a time. At the same time, we're also typically doing blood work. Um, And that can help us as well in terms of figuring out if there's any other risk factors, are there any other organs that are abnormal, Um, and sometimes can give us clues as to potential causes. Uh, Another often done test is if we're still not sure or there's something that's hinting um, towards uh, a a cause for heart failure that's not uh, easily explained by high blood pressure or diabetes uh, or blockages in the arteries, we often will get a cardiac MRI as well, which gives us a better picture of what the tissue itself looks like. And that can can help us tell if we have inflammation in the tissues, if we have a lot of scar buildup within the heart. and should we be going down a different road uh, to figure out what's what's causing it? Are we, you know, in medicine we often say there's there's horses and zebras, uh, and obviously we see horses more often than zebras. Um, and so should we be looking for zebras? And the MRI will often uh, help us with that. In terms of treatment, there's a myriad of treatments, but a lot of it depends again on what flavor of heart failure you have. If it's a valve issue, like a leaky or a tight valve then that is a problem that needs to be, that can't just be fixed typically with medicines, um, but has to be addressed by fixing the valve itself. If the heart is stiff, something we typically call heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, uh, and we have a few uh, cardiologists here, such as Dr. Shaw and Dr. Freed, who specialize in this, we don't have uh, quite as many proven treatments uh, for that, but we typically make sure blood pressure is well controlled, heart rate and rhythm are well controlled, and that fluid is well controlled. That's really in contradistinction to heart failure with reduced ejection fraction or systolic dysfunction, which again is when the pump function of the heart is weak. And there we have a myriad of therapies uh, to help. The, the cornerstone of all the therapies are medicines. Um, and there's several classes of drugs that have been shown in multi, you know, in many studies to um, not only uh, improve symptoms, but decrease the chance of mortality or dying from heart failure. Another way to say that is to increase survival with heart failure, improve symptoms, and actually get the heart stronger. And in addition to medical therapies, there's also for certain uh, subsets of patients, there's device therapies, there's special types of pacemakers and defibrillators that can uh, make the heart stronger as well. And when we uh, look at large groups of patients who are presenting with kind of uh, their first diagnosis of a weak heart, and then we look at those patients later after they've received those therapies, about a third get better, a third stay the same, and a third can get worse. So a third getting better, while we can definitely have room for improvement to get that number up, that's still uh, a significant uh, goal for for a good uh, proportion of our patients. And when I'm meeting a patient 
who has a new diagnosis of heart dysfunction, absolutely my goal is to not only have them uh, to treat their symptoms, but to actually get their heart stronger and even potentially uh, normal uh, or near normal pump function. Um, and so, and then there's kind of other treatments that we can do that I I don't know if you want me to get uh, into or not. That if all other options fail, what are our backup options? And if we have a weak, if someone has a weak heart that progresses and they continue to do poorly despite all of the the pills that we have, the medicines that we have, uh, some of the device-based therapies that we have, then we start getting into the realm of something called advanced heart failure, where uh, this is heart failure that's refractory or resistant to any of our current therapies. And and then we're talking about things like heart transplantation or ventricular assist devices called LVADs, which are mechanical pumps uh, that take over the functioning of one side of the heart. And so uh, those are also therapies that uh, we as advanced heart failure uh, do uh, within our subspecialty, we do kind of advanced heart failure, transplant, and uh, mechanical circulatory support, or LVAD. Dr. Vorovich, is this now considered a chronic condition, congestive heart failure? And give some tips about lifestyle and things that you would like people to do to not only hopefully prevent it in the first place, but to live with congestive heart failure and what you want them to know about some of those medications such as blood thinners and just lifestyle and things that you want them to know. So that's a great question as well. So one, to the, the you know, uh, prevention is always better than, than dealing with the disease itself. It is absolutely, I would classify it. Let me ask you, answer your first question. Absolutely, I would classify it as a chronic disease. It's, it's still a disease I'd love to prevent rather than treat. Um, and so some of the treatments, some of the lifestyle uh, recommendations are similar. So one is to go see your doctor. Because a lot of times what we end up seeing is patients who have high blood pressure that's poorly controlled for years go on to develop heart failure. And it's much, you know, hypertension or high blood pressure is known as the silent killer specifically because people don't feel bad. A lot of times with high blood pressure, they feel good. They don't know they have high blood pressure. And if they don't check, they don't know. And then it just continues on for years and eventually can cause damage to the heart. And so the the first recommendation I make is to see your doctor, follow up, make sure your blood pressure is under good control, your, um, you know, other risk factors for blockages in the arteries, such as cholesterol, a healthy diet, low saturated fat diet, et cetera. Those are all the same recommendations. Um, exercise, still go with the American Heart Association guidelines of exercise five days a week. Try to stay as active as you can. Uh, and these are all to, to modify those risk factors for developing heart dysfunction and also for continuing to, to kind of feel well once you have heart dysfunction or heart failure. There's a lot of our patients, when we talk about lifestyle after heart failure, what they can do for themselves, I think uh, the cornerstone of that is actually taking the medicines. Uh, those medicines in, in heart failure are truly a lifeline, and taking them um, religiously uh, is is very key to them working. And uh, having a close relationship with the do- with your doctor in terms of if you if you want to stop your medicines or change your medicines, uh, so forth. Continuing a healthy lifestyle, making sure your blood pressure is well controlled, exercise. Um, and typically we recommend a low salt diet. Um, there is some controversy as to how low salt is low salt. Uh, but overall we recommend a low salt diet, 
kind of a healthy heart heart healthy diet, uh, staying as active as you can, seeing your doctor, and taking your medicines. Um, and uh, kind of another important part of that is if you have any symptom, to call your doctor and check in with him or her. Uh, Rather than saying, oh, I have an appointment in three to four weeks, why don't I check in there? A lot of times when problems are caught early, they're much easier to, to treat uh, than if they've uh, uh, festered for a while. Certainly great advice, Dr. Vorovich, and so important for people to hear about the different types of treatments for this chronic condition of congestive heart failure. Thank you for clearing it up and explaining it all so well for us. You're listening to Northwestern Medicine Pod Talk. For more information on the latest advances in medicine, please visit nm.org. That's nm.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.